Welcome to Sober Solutions. We are a weekly recovery podcast, not affiliated with any particular 12-step or recovery program. However, you may hear us mention them. My name is Jason, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Chris, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Ben. I'm an alcoholic and addict. And welcome back to Sober Solutions Podcast. Tonight is episode 25, and we're going to be talking about dealing with grief. This is, or could be, a very heavy topic. I think all of us at some point in our life have had to deal with grief in one way or another. And so, guys, how have you dealt with grief? The, um, well, I'll, I'll open it up by saying that I think grief is a, I don't know, I don't think, I don't know if grief's a choice, I don't want to say that, but um, you know, there's a grieving process, but I, I remember I, w- I forget who was saying it in rehab. We got into a pretty good discussion about, uh, sadness and, you know, the longer you sit in sadness, the longer the grieving process takes. And so for me, I look at, I look at grieving as, I don't know. I, I I I try not to. I try not to dwell on the grief by dwelling on the process of grief, if that makes sense. Um, so for so learning that in rehab, well, while I was also learning about the dissolution of my marriage, for me it they kind of it helped me immediately, um, and and I was able to get on a path to acceptance faster, which aided in me not, not grieving for as long as, you know, as was something that a lot of people have said that, oh, you know, you, you didn't really seem to grieve, you know, you, you just kind of, your marriage is over and that was it. And for me, I, I, I guess I, I did my grieving on, on, on Jason's bed when we were, uh, you know, when I was crying my eyes out after I, after I had that first conversation with my, my now ex-wife, you know, and, and it was really in that moment when I, and I've referenced this story a few times before, you know, where Jason, you were like, is anybody dead? Did any, is anything unfixable? Is anything, you know, damaged that's valued over like a billion dollars or whatever? And and for me, it was just kind of that point, like, it's not the end of the world. And going into rehab, like, getting divorced was the end of the world. Like, um, the, uh, the, week betwe- the week and a half between when I stopped drinking and I went to rehab, like, it was literally like this emotional roller coaster where I was just, tr- like, trying to make sure that my my ex-wife wasn't going to leave me and, and, and I would get, you know, she like, you'd see I was out of control. And so she would text, you know, say, all right, you know, don't worry, nothing's going to happen, you know? And, and it was her literally just kind of keeping me at bay. Um, but like, like I kind of saw the writing on the wall, like, Oh my God, this, this is it. This could be the end. And then getting that phone call in, in rehab, it was kind of like this, back to the side of the head. And then Jason, you helped me through it. And, and then again, like I said, through other conversations with people in talking about the grieving process, and we had a really good 
uh, seminar one day when somebody, you know, talked about the stages of grieving. And so it kind of helped me realize that it's a process. It's not a state of mind for me. And it's much like recovery in that it looks different for everybody for every situation. You know, you can grieve the loss of a loved one a certain way. Uh, I know a little later we're going to talk about grieving the loss of um, alcohol or, or our, using, our, our former partner in crime. Um, you know, so, so yeah, grief is, a, as many things in this program, it's a little bit ambiguous, but it's, you know, it's important, I think, that we talk about it so that people understand that there is an element that we have, I don't want to say control over, but we can help ourselves uh, through the grieving process. Yeah, I haven't had any, uh, I would say, any extreme loss yet to grieve. And I, I say yet because it could happen at any time. You know, what I've learned is I got out of rehab and I had a group of, I would say, four or five close people that I would go to every meeting with. We, um, it, it was literally six days a week. We would go together. We held each other accountable and we were doing very well at one point. And then unfortunately, in the matter of a few months, one of them passed away. One of them went completely back to using. And then two of them, I just haven't heard at all. I've reached out and they are just, you know, fell off the face of the earth. And unfortunately, that's what happens sometimes in recovery. And I wasn't close enough with the person that passed away, but she taught me a lot about recovery. And she was, you know, she lost the battle of addiction. Um, so I, you know, we, we did learn in rehab about the stages of the grieving process. You know, you have denial, anger, uh, I think it's bargaining is three, and then uh, depression and acceptance. And, you know, you don't have to go through those all at once or you don't have to hit all of them or you can go out of order. But I think, you know, like Ben said, the thing that I dealt with most and I grieved was the loss of using, you know, accepting that getting to the point where I accept that I I choose, I should say I choose not to drink or use anymore that took a very long time for me to get to. And it wasn't just this last in at rehab. It's been a five-year process. And if I'm completely honest, I don't know if I'm even still there. You know, I've talked many times on this podcast about maybe one day having a drink again. And I keep saying that because I want to be authentic and honest to everyone about where I'm at. Um, I know that if I pick up one pill it's just game over for me and I will start using again. It's just science. It's, I have facts. I have the hit, I have the past, but I never got to that point with alcohol. However, I am knowledgeable enough to know that that will lead me down a path that I don't want to get to. And the whole grieving process, I think I went out of that order, you know, I definitely was in denial for a very long time. The fact that I can beat uh, both my opiate addiction 
And I was in denial of the fact that alcohol had anything to do with my addiction. Um, I got angry with myself. The biggest thing that I did was bargaining. It's like, what if I did this? Or, you know, I would say, well, if I get to a year, I can have a drink then. And it's this constant battle in my head of, you know, the what ifs or, you know, well, and that's the addiction in me. It's saying, you know, do good for here so that in a year you can do this. But all my addiction wants to do is take me out. And it knows that if I have that one, eventually it'll lead down that path. So I think the biggest thing that I've been dealing with in the whole grieving process is grieving the loss of my addiction. Yeah, I think, you know, that really is a good point. Not only was the drink and the drug my best friend, but also the lifestyle around it. And to an extent, missing it a little bit, but I've filled my life with so many other things right now that I don't miss it unless I think about it. And it's only in those times that I think about it that I miss it. Um, But unfortunately, in addition to the loss of the drinking and the drugging and the lifestyle, I've had to deal with a lot of grief in my life. Uh, Next month will be uh, the eighth year anniversary of my mom's passing. And, you know, she... She contracted stage four lung cancer after never having smoked a cigarette in her life. Went to world-class institutions that gave her 18 months of hope. But unfortunately, three weeks after her initial diagnosis, she died. The one thing that I am so grateful for is that in that moment and around that time, I wasn't drinking. I wasn't sober because I wasn't working the steps. I didn't have a sponsor. I didn't have the network that I have today, but I wasn't drinking so I could be more present with her. The other thing is, is that there was nothing in between us. We had a relationship that was solid. There was no resentment. There was no amends that I needed to make. I, we were square and I hold on to that today. Now that I have worked the steps, now that I have really built this sober life, I can appreciate really the, the gratitude that I have for not having anything between us. Carry that forward to recently when my partner at the time, sorry, my partner at the time passed away and I still have issues saying how that happened. Um, it's, It's public knowledge now, but he decided to end his own life. And this hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, I've said tonight and I've said before, being sober 
as it relates to emotions, it's kind of like that double-edged sword. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. The best thing about sobriety is you get to feel feelings again. The worst part of sobriety is you get to feel feelings again. And I have been dealing with so many of those emotions because the way that our relationship was set up, we were still trying to figure each other out. We were still trying to define what the relationship was and what the future looked like and make the moves that we needed to make. And we were happy. And that's it. We were happy. The thing that's in my mind right now is why. Why did this happen? And there's nothing and no answer that I'm going to get to that question. So over the last, you know, few weeks and months dealing with this, I'm grateful for being sober. I'm grateful for my connection to my higher power. I'm grateful for you guys on this podcast. I'm grateful for the people around me, especially my sober family, my my sponsor, my sober sibling. You've all helped me and carried me when I couldn't carry myself. And You've, you've heard me joking on this podcast. You've heard me, uh, or you've seen me smiling. You've heard me laughing. And that's part of my commitment to not allowing grief to take away who I am. Because if I was still using, I would probably still be high or still be drunk and not dealing with what I need to deal with. And there are some people that I had to share this with at, at work because, you know, I was I had to miss a few days and, you know, all the all the things that are associated with this. But someone said to me, he said, you know, Jason, we never move on. Moving on is leaving that person we lost behind and really trying to forget about them and not think about them. What we try and do is move forward. And in moving forward, we get to carry that person and their memory with us. And that's, that's exactly what I've been holding on to. Because if I am committed to my core values and I'm committed to love as a core value, then I would not forget those people. I would not forget my partner, I would not forget my mother. And now I get to bring them with me. I was actually um, laying on the grass overlooking downtown Manhattan um, after lunch with a friend. And we were just laying there talking and a ladybug landed on the mat. And I got chills because the ladybug is the spirit animal for my mom. And in that moment, my colleagues' words just started to ring in my ear. Take them with us. Move forward. And so that's what I'm trying to do. The, uh, I, I, I love you, man. I appreciate you sharing and being, being just totally honest with uh, where you were at and what you were going through. 
Um, I, wa I want to ask you that I was having this conversation with my sister a couple weeks ago, and she was asking asking me about um, the 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 uh, trials and tribulations I have gone through in uh, my relationship, you know, a couple months back, and um, and she she was asking, she was like, you know, what was it like, like asking yourself, like, was I not good enough, like, to stop to stop anything from happening? And I kind of explained to her, you know, like that's not the way it really works. Like you, you can't carry somebody else's, um, you can't carry somebody else's sobriety for them, you know, but, you know, you know, and that's, that's just how I look at it. But I, you know, I, I want to ask you, you know, do, do you find yourself carrying any of, any of the responsibility, not responsibility, that's not the right way to put it, but, you know, do, do you ask yourself, was I not, wasn't I good enough, you know, and, and maybe you, you have that same kind of understanding where like, Hey, that's not the way this works. Or, you know, I just want to know where you're at with that. It, it's a very good question. And quite honestly, it's one that I've struggled with. When this all first happened, that's the first question I asked myself. So I have come to find out that this happened on the day of my one year anniversary party. And because of other commitments, he wasn't able to make it. And I find out that he was then trying to come up and see me. He sent me a text message at 1234 PM saying, hey, I just want you to know that I love you sincerely with a heart emoji. And it's the last time I ever heard from him. And what has been ringing in my head, not so much recently because I've been processing this and working through this, but was the question, why didn't he call me? And what people have said to me, you know, my sponsor and, and some other friends and, and even a therapist have said, he didn't call you because he knew that hearing your voice would change his mind in that moment. And he did not want to have his mind changed. And I, I thought, you know, what was it that I didn't do? Did I not show him enough love? Was I not communicative enough? Was I too self-centered and selfish around my wants and needs and desires? And the answer to those are no. You know, we, we had an amazing relationship. We were very open and honest with each other. We spent the time we had together. And so if I think about it logically, and, and as we say, you know, in the program, if, we, if I play the tape out, the answer to those questions are no, and he just made a decision. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it's, you know, I, two, two things on, on that. You know, one is, you know, one of the other things I said, said to my sister was, you know, I know what it's like to not be able to stop. I, to, to not be able to do something, you know, for somebody else. And, 
Um, you know, cause I mean, I, you know, I couldn't stop drinking for my daughters and like, I love them more than anything in, in the world. And so like in my, in my, my addiction was literally from the time that they were born. So like it was the antithesis of what I wanted to be. And, and so, you know, I understand that, you know, that's, and it's obviously easier being an addict cause I can look at that and go, shit, I couldn't stop for the girls. Like, of course, you know, some, I, somebody else isn't going to stop for me, you know, but, but I do hope that, you know, when you look at that text message and, you know, I'm glad that, you know, it, you know, it's, it's, it's no surprise that you're, you're using the, the net, your network the way you should be working the programs the way that you should be. You know, but I mean, that's, that is just something that, you know, when we talk about our experience, strength and hope that that's, there it is the program in action, you doing what you're supposed to do and you're, you know, able to process it slowly, but surely. Um, but, you know, if you do ever have wavering doubts about, you know, your, that, you know, his feeling for you, I think that the text message as opposed to the call is a really huge one because there was that level of love and, you know, just emotion towards you. Like, you know, like everybody else has, had said to you, he had made up his mind at that point. You know, his mind was made up and, and so great was your influence on him that you, you might have had the ability to change his mind. And I don't want you to think that, the, you know, putting, putting God on you there. But, but you know that's, that's really, it's, it's, it's a testament to, you know, how strong your bond was, even if it wasn't as strong as the mind is, the mind's a fucked up thing, man. It's a terrible, terrible thing. And, you know, it's, it's just, I just hope that you take, take some solace in that because it's, there, there was nothing that you could have done or anybody could have done. It was just the the sad, unfortunate nature, like Chris was talking about before with the, you know, the, the great woman we knew that, you know, um, that, that lost it. It's just, it's not everybody wins at this damn thing. Yeah. I mean, I love what you said, Jason, of don't move on, move forward. Um, and I guess what are you doing right now to, I guess, deal with the grief? What are, what are some things that you're doing in a positive way to help with the grieving process? Yeah. So I have really been throwing myself into the things that I love to do. I have been keeping up with work. I was able to finish a class and I'm going to be starting my classes again. I have started going back to the gym to burn off that energy, to, to just zone out for that time that I'm at the gym. And I've been doing something that I've never done before I got sober, is reaching out and talking about it. I have been watching a, a show recently, and it's dealing with a lot of different things. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen Pose, but it's 
you know, New York City gay culture in the 80s, early 90s, and the AIDS epidemic, and the relationships that people had with each other, and the relationship that they had with fear and loss. And it's been touching me on such an intimate level because I have been and I am going through that loss. And something I'm not doing is I'm not bottling it up. I'm not running away from the emotion. I'm feeling my feelings. Now, some days I half jokingly, half seriously text my friend, you know, fuck emotions, fuck feelings, because that's my feeling in the moment. Like, God damn it. I really wish that I wasn't feeling this way today. And it's been subsiding as the weeks go by. But the concept of moving forward and bring him and my mother with me and the people that I'm close to that I've lost with me into the future means that they're never leaving me. And that's something that's very comforting to me. And the other thing that I've really drawn a strong correlation to is my connection to my higher power. So my higher power is energy. And so the concept of energy, and I think that Einstein said something around this, but energy is never created or destroyed. It just changes form or something along those lines. I, I, I don't know the actual quote. And so if I believe that my higher power is energy, we're all made of energy and his energy just changed forms. My mother's energy just changed forms. And they're always around me and they're always with me, like that ladybug that landed on the mat. So I'm never really without the people that I lose in my life. And even though I have been going through these stages of grief, and Chris, I, I really reiterate what you were saying. It doesn't happen in a linear format. It's not like, okay, I'm at stage one now. Now I'm at stage two and I've graduated. No, it, it's kind of like the steps in a way where I'm going through like stage one and then stage five and then stage three and then stage one again and like really just moving through this at the pace that I need to do. And, and if I had one piece of advice for anyone who's dealing with grief, just allow it. Don't fight it. Don't, don't think that you have to grieve in a specific way. I, I have told my sponsor this. I've told my sober sibling, John, this. There were times where I was like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know if I'm grieving right. Because, you know, I'm, I'm very type A. I'm very analytical. I, I want to do things the specific way so that I can get them done right. And there's no way to do this right. So just allow it. And, and that's what I've been doing. And there are better days than others. And I'm moving forward. So I know one of the other elements of grief that we wanted to dive into is the grief uh, that's associated with uh, losing, using. And, you know, for me, that was something really early on that 
I don't remember if it happened in rehab or in IOP, but I think it was in IOP where I got this real strong understanding that, that I had lost like my best friend. And it was because if you, if you just take the label of alcohol off of it, it was there for me all the time. It dealt with all of my emotions. It was there for celebrations. It was there for bad times. It, um, it never let me down. Um, and even when we didn't agree, eventually we made up. And it's when, now when you put that, the label of that friend was alcohol, it puts it in a completely different light. But that's literally what it was. It was a, it was a crutch. It was a support system. Uh, and it was quite literally a liquid support system there where there was no maintaining it, no ability to, to provide any type of actual support. Um, it eventually just consumed me and drowned me. But yeah, losing that was not easy. Losing, losing a support system is just not easy, even if it's the most fucked up support system that there is. That's, that was all I knew. And so I, I did go through a bit of a grieving process of just, yeah, no, that, that ship has sailed. And, and, you know, kind of not to, um, not to push back at all, but that's something that I don't want to move on with. You know, or I want to move on from, I should say. I don't want to move forward with it. You know, I want I want to move on from that friendship, from that relationship. Um, and, you know, we, you know, we can, you can talk semantics about the lessons to be learned from it and all. But, you know, th that's, for me, I, I just, I, I had to shut that door. And it was an actual grieving process, which is not something that I really... It, it's not something I expected. It wasn't, you know, it was literally, I think it was halfway through a group session. And I just like, just kind of came to this realization, like, guys, like I lost like my best friend and just kind of rambled on as I might've, might be known to do from time to time. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. And it's, you know, once I, got in the rooms and heard people talk about it. It was like, oh, okay. So everybody else had to excommunicate this person from their life as well. Yeah, it's, you know, Jason touched on this too. It was also the, the lifestyle. So it wasn't just the fact of using or how it made you feel after. It was everything that surrounded it. Um, for me, it was uh, trying to get away with it, trying to figure out the, the money behind it, trying to fool, quote unquote, everybody around me. Meanwhile, I wasn't fooling anyone, but in my head, I thought I was. So it was all a game. It was, it was a lifestyle, right? It wasn't just, all right, let me get XYZ, consume XYZ. It makes you feel good. It was, it was just everything that encompassed how you got it, how you used it. And then almost the next day when you felt terrible, how you got back to feeling good again. 
and moving on from that lifestyle to create a healthy lifestyle. You know, I was jotting down ways to cope with ways that I'm coping with grief. Um, you know, and it started kind of with what Jason was saying. Uh, the first thing that I think everyone can do is give yourself time. Because if you try to rush through it, it's not going to work well. So it's okay to, like Jason, you were saying, it's okay to feel those feelings. If you say fuck emotions, like you, you know, then that's how you're feeling at the time. And to deny yourself whatever you're feeling is not healthy. Um, some things that I'm trying to do is surround myself with positive people. I make phone calls, but I only right now are talking to people that either support my recovery or are in recovery. I am not, I've basically cut out or people have cut me out of the life too, but it's positive, you know. I'm not around the quote unquote lifestyle I used to be in. I'm not, I don't have a single person that I talk to that is using still. Um, I try to avoid triggers. Uh, I tr I'm trying to get back in shape. You know, it's such a healthy, one way of dealing with this grief, dealing with these negative emotions, I would say, is by working out, eating healthy, sleeping, trying to sleep. Uh, one thing that I try to instill in myself, and this is a really hard one for me, is asking for help when I need it. You know, I have such an ego problem sometimes thinking that I can do it all, but there, me asking for help may not be me raising my hand and saying, hey, I need help, but sometimes it's, you know, asking for advice, uh, you know, through a conversation. Uh, it's, you know, I go to a therapist. That's, you know, that is very helpful for me. And, what another thing about the quote unquote lifestyle is it's really hard for the people around me to think that I'm not in that lifestyle. Right now, it's my wife and I have had a great couple days, but it seems like every couple weeks we get back to the stage of she doesn't trust me. And it doesn't matter right now what I'm doing, if it's positive or negative, I don't think, you know, and she said this to me, and it's not news to anyone. Right now, she hasn't had enough time to go through her process and to get to the point where she's trusting me. And that stinks because, you know, the future is uncertain for us. We have great days, but we also have really bad days. And that's something, her grief and encompasses a lot of not trusting me. Uh, there's probably resentment, you know, a lot of, she wants me to be the best father and her not trusting me. I've said this to her, doesn't mean that I'm doing the wrong thing, but that also doesn't mean that her feelings behind it are invalid. I understand that she's able to, and she should, and she it's acceptable for her to feel those feelings. So, you know, with grief, there's, and going through the process, there's a lot of positive things that come out of it. But during the process, it's hard sometimes. It really is hard because sometimes you are doing the right things. Sometimes you are 
doing everything in a positive way, but other people aren't, you know, Jason, you said going through a linear process. So sometimes this, you know, you don't always mesh well and it's frustrating, but you have to, I have to realize that as long as I'm doing the right thing that day, that's all I can do at that point. I cannot change the past, but I can change and I can uh, direct my actions in a positive way today. I think you touched on something that's incredibly important to remember. The fact that the people around us are going through a process themselves. You know, we've touched on this idea of the people around us going through their own recovery program. Maybe they're in an official one. Maybe they're just trying to deal with us now as sober people. But as you were talking, I was also drawing the parallel that the people who love us the most, the first person who comes into my mind is my father. I can't imagine the sadness and the grief and the sense of loss that he felt as he saw me just keep going lower and lower and lower and deeper and deeper and deeper into my addiction. This idea of this is my boy, this is my son, he's supposed to be X, Y, Z. And I'm seeing him struggle for life. That is the loss of everything that he was hoping for. And I'm slowly starting to rebuild his trust and, you know, really build back up to the man that I want to be in, the man that he deserves me to be and all this, but just that sense of sadness that the people around us have as we continued our addiction. And, and, you know, we have this episode coming up soon on relationships with family. So I think that's going to be a, a good topic to touch on. Yeah. I mean, I'm, ex- I'm excited for that. And It'll be eye-opening to, like you said, I mean, during, you know, before, during, and after, we're going through a journey. We, we went through a journey through addiction. We, us three went to rehab, or us four went to rehab, and now we're going through a journey of recovery. Well, the people around us go through their own journey. And I think it's, you know, a lot of people think that recovery is this linear line, and I put an Instagram post of reality or um, what people think recovery is versus what it is. And it's, you know, what people think is just this straight line to at the end recovery. And the reality is it's, it's just this curvy zigzag up, down, left, right. You know, there's relapses, there's learning experience. It's just never recovery is never the same for anybody. And it's the same on their end, you know, Sometimes they have a harder time recovering than the actual addict. They have a harder time getting through that grief of what people have done. You know, I touched last episode on the fact that although I truly believe and most people believe addiction is a disease, it's not this empathetic, you know, you feel bad for this person disease. It's a disease that causes so many emotions, so many negative emotions around it. And getting through that, getting to the other end 
is a hard process. I, I can't imagine. I will never know. Well, I shouldn't say I'll never know. I currently don't know how that feels. And, you know, it's what it's kind of, I would say, easier for me because on the other end, I know how I'm feeling today. I know that I didn't use. But for the people around me, the people around all of us, they don't know, right? So that's a really hard thing to swallow. They're either taking your word for it, they're hoping. But at the end of the day, you know, they probably have this pit in their stomach all the time until, you know, eventually they recover as well. But through the process, they have this pit in their stomach. Are they doing the right thing? Will they relapse? You know, will I get that phone call that they're not coming home? And that's a really scary thing. You are absolutely right. And I think that is an excellent place to stop for tonight because that is going to lead us right into next week's episode when we start talking about relationships from the family aspect. So thanks, guys, tonight. I really, really appreciate you holding space for me, being there for me. Um, You know, you are definitely like brothers, and I can share anything with you. And as always, tonight's episode is dedicated to the still sick and suffering alcoholic and addict, especially for the individual who's going to pick up for the first time tonight. Have a good night, guys. Have a good night. Have a good night. We appreciate your liking and subscribing to our podcast. If you liked what you heard today and would like to support our podcast, feel free to Venmo a dollar to our virtual basket at Sober Solutions Podcast. We want to hear from you too. If you have a comment, question, topic, or would like to come on the show, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sober Solutions Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email to SoberSolutionsPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show.